Hello. is Brett Leonard. How are you doing? And I'm here with my son, Shannon Leonard, on What the F is the Metaverse, episode four. Today, we, uh, of course, this this week's news has been overshadowed by one item, which, of course, is the Ukrainian war, Russia invading the Ukraine in a war that people talk about could be small or all the way to World War III. So I want to first put out all of our support and compassion for the Ukrainian people. Um, yes. You know, uh, it's anyone who's under the, the, the jackboot of war, you know, being uh, foisted upon them by an aggressor uh, for whatever the reasons. It's just a, it's a human atrocity and uh, it's a yeah. human crime. And, you know, so it's a very big story and it's one that sort of overshadows many things. So we're going to call this episode the metaverse in war because much of what's going on is taking place in what we're we're defining as the nascent metaverse, the emerging metaverse. About this new news, Shannon, what uh, you know, as as a young man of 27, this is a a crazy time we're living in, and uh, yeah. you know, having been part of bringing you into this world with your mother, I feel responsible <laughs> for <laughs> you're here in such a crazy, you know, traumatic time, and this, of course you know, is very sort of apocalyptic in nature. This news uh, can be, I think it's going to be limited. And actually, there's been some good news this week, uh, just today, actually, that, uh, you know, the Ukrainians are fighting fiercely and are holding back uh, much of what uh, Russia has been trying to accomplish. Whether they can keep that up or not, of course, is is for us to yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't seemed limited from what I have viewed so far. I mean, watching it unfold on Twitter in real time, it's been horrific yeah but there there um, is i mean there is there is a spin in the news just out of the last day no i know they're fighting back yeah, that, yeah that, they're that, fighting the, back the ukrainians sure. are very proudly fighting back and they're very proudly holding yeah. the line so they haven't you know the russians have not taken kiev uh yet and they haven't taken any of the other cities yet uh obviously there are many things that uh, an aggressor the size of russia can do that ukraine may not have the resources to defend and so it's it's a very very incredibly dicey time. How has the metaverse already been part of this war? I mean, obviously, there's cyber war that's been going on even leading up to this invasion, and of course, way before it. Uh, and so in a way, the metaverse has become a precursor. What goes on in this nascent emerging metaverse, as we're defining it, is a precursor to almost any war these days. In a way, it's the metaverse or it's organic to that aspect of human interaction, which we call war. Yes, how we're defining the metaverse is the digital world. You know, it's often talked about as the three-dimensional space in the digital world, but I think both me and you agree that the metaverse extends into social networks. It extends into just the internet by and large. Yes, and, and, and look, in, in, in many ways, what, we're, what we have now is the training wheels for the metaverse it's not the full, you know, dimensionalized metaverse that people seem to, you know, tend to want to define it as. But it is also we're already defining human interaction in a digital virtual world without it being dimensionalized. So there's still aspects of human interaction, I think, that are metaverse like going on right now. Uh, and so the fact that, you know, cyber crime, cyber war, uh, you know, and cyber crime that can become warlike uh, is you know, happening in a digital virtual realm of code. And so that to me is part of the nascent emerging metaverse. And so obviously Russia has a very big state sponsored program for cyber war. There's cyber war going on between, you know, China and America. I mean, basically we're already in a metaverse world war and have been actually for quite a number of years now, don't you think? I think there's definitely an argument to be had for for that and and watching it unfold in in real time on Twitter was surreal and it's so inter we're so interconnected right now and I think that's what the metaverse and the internet by extension is is enabling this this interconnectedness on this scale we've never seen before especially now in a time of war it's so visceral to see to see minute by minute beats I mean I I I saw okay wow they shut down the civilian airspace. Yeah. And now people are talking and that was before they invaded. And that was and you know, and the news started coming in, in, in bit by bit by bit in real in real time on, on last Wednesday night. 
And, and, and we should talk about know, we should talk about the generations. This is an intergenerational communication about the metaverse as we've as we've uh, promoted it. That you know, your generation well, and you father, the way you get news. <laughs> The way yes, you get news is son. very different than the way my generation has gotten news. And so why don't yeah. you describe the way you get, you, you don't, you don't watch CNN, you don't have CNN on the background uh, no. most of the time, do you? <laughs> I don't have cable, but I still get verified fact check sources. The mainstream news networks trickle down into Twitter, into other social networks. So the, the reports are definitely coming uh, in part from major news networks, New York Times. I mean, well, well the CNN. New York Times, the fact that New York Times has as many people on the ground uh, as they do in uh, the Ukraine, they kind of, you know, these, these, and the Washington Post, these, these bastions of, you know, old news are actually having people on the ground. And that, those reports are what is trickling into Twitter, along with yes. actual civilian reports of war. And that's what you've been watching a lot, right? Yes, intermixed with the verified reporting, I'm seeing unverified and individual accounts, people who are just civilians in the thick of the battle and recording on their phones and uploading directly to Twitter. And you really see a different perspective uh, of, of it. And, and you feel connected to it because it's happening. It's not, it's not some kind of five o'clock report that's just summarizing Yes, which is, news. Which, is what I, which is what I grew up with as a kid when the Vietnam War was happening. Oh, really? I grew up with, you know, it, you basically got 10 minutes of that every night on the news, you know, on three different channels of news. It was either Walter Cronkite or Harry Reasoner or, you know, Sam Donaldson or whoever at, at that time was reporting. And, you know, it was it was very digested. I mean, it, that was the only way we could connect to it. And it was, it was radical at that time that they were actually showing some of the casualties, some of the, some of the horrors of the war on those news reports. That was very controversial at that time. Now we wow. have real time streaming war going on in this nascent metaverse through things like Twitter platforms that are, again, I think part of the building blocks, part of the foundation of what will become the metaverse. And, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it, it really extent, has changed yeah. the nature of our interaction with war. It's to very generational. To, to the extent where Russia is censoring these platforms in their, in their home, in, in their homeland of Russia, because that information is getting to the civilians of Russia, where the, you know, the Russian people by and large, it seems do not support Putin. They don't. War. They don't. And, and that's, don't that's those protests and, and are that's happening now too, it. which is very encouraging on one level. I mean, I'm trying to find, you know, some light in the darkness and the fact that this doesn't turn into some kind of, you know, full NATO conflagration with other NATO states becoming involved. I mean, there's been a lot of very dark talk around this war. And of course, all those things are possible. Um, you know, they're talking about Article Five, you know, activating NATO forces. Uh, you know, even by what's happening in the cyber war com con concept here. Yes, that and a and a and a high-ranking official from NATO said that Article Five could be triggered by cyber attacks and great. cyber war. So there um, you go. We, we're looking yeah. at this again, nascent emerging metaverse, as a way in which the human interaction of war is being triggered, as opposed to it being pamphlets or, uh, you know, spontaneous uh, gatherings in the, in the street with oratory or the ways in which war has happened in the past, you know, the small bursts of violence, it is actually being triggered like the, you know, the kindling is being lit from the metaverse in many ways. Uh, and yeah. that's, that, that, that's shifted our entire, you know, concept of what war is in some ways. And yet most people, I don't think, fully understand that that's actually going on most of the time now, that we actually have this, this very interesting conflagration in cyberspace. We used to call it cyberspace. Now we call it the metaverse. These terms, you know, become <laughs> interchangeable over, over a yeah. stretch of years as I've watched them. But now it's the metaverse. Of course, we're, you know, this podcast is what the F is the metaverse. And so we're trying to unpack that in the context of now, what is the metaverse in war? And it seems to be an absolutely foundational aspect of how nation states and even, you know, sub nation states are are enacting warfare. And so it's a completely new battleground that's happening that is uh, connecting with the, you know, 
in real life battlegrounds that are going on. And well, reality uh, is merging with the metaverse. And just proof of that is the fact that we're getting warnings from officials that there could be cyber attacks, you know, in retaliation. Um, So this is talking about, you know, our energy grid or our internet infrastructure. These are real tangible things that could be impacted by the digital world. And And so here we have, we have, we have an on the ground physical conflagration happening in the Ukraine, but which is a fairly small little postage stamp size of, you know, real estate on planet Earth. You could pull back from, from an entire planetary standpoint. It's a fairly small area that that's going on. And yet it could affect. But the population, I, I mean, I think I think that the population in Kiev is bigger than many European cities. Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm not I'm not talking about I'm talking about in terms yeah. of the whole planet. I'm saying right. that sure, the, yeah. this, the conflagration happening oh, in I one see. location on the planet is right. actually affecting through the metaverse, like our power grid could be thrown down because we're putting sanctions on Russia because right. of that on the ground conflagration that's going on in the Ukraine right now. So something that, you know, in the past, you know, you'd had to go over there, as they call it, you know, there used to be a, you know, over there, over there, you have to go over there to become part of the, the, the conflagration, yeah. become part of the warfare. Well, now over there is everywhere if you bring in the concept of the metaverse and how it can affect uh, you know, globally, different areas, different locations through cyber war. And yeah. that's so now we have the ability to create a kind of global conflict, you know, conflagration at a much rap, more rapid rate than ever before because of cyber war being something that is already been going on for many, many years now. I don't know if anyone there's ways of you can you can pull up on Google. You can see uh, there's there's maps you could get that show like cyber attacks happening on the planet with these sort of lines between places on maps. Now, how accurate those things are, I would not hesitate to, uh, you know, have an opinion on, but it looks like there's a lot of cyber attacks happening all the time. Uh, if, if with any research, you find out that that's what's going on. So it's a, and of course the reports from intelligence communities and, and officials tend to support that. I'm sure that it is going on. So we're basically having a physical conflagration join an already cyber metaverse-based, you know, warfare that has been going on now for a while. I mean, people think that's what happened when Trump was elected. And, you know, there's there's many, again, I don't want to get into political sides here at all, but there's a lot of, you know, been a lot of discussion, speculation about the sort of ongoing warfare against American democracy uh, between China, Russia, and America. All these things seem to be something that is actually going on. We don't get a lot of detail on it because it's, you know, supposedly very classified, all that information. But at the same time, we actually start to feel it. And now we see the reflection of it in the echo chamber of the media that's happening around this Russian-Ukraine war that's happening. So, so I want to ask you, I want to yeah. ask you, so I, I get my news about this from, from Twitter and I, and I've actually followed a list that ha- it's a, it's what Twitter feature called Twitter lists, uh, where it's a, it's a collection of people who are in the, you know, on the ground verified sources. And I can actually switch between my home timeline and my war timeline, which is very surreal. And <laughs> I'm, I'm protected, I'm protected in, in, in a safe place living in San Diego so, but, but I'm still, you can switch to the war feed at any time in the metaverse and be immersed digitally in what's happening. And then I can switch back to my home timeline, which is, which is very surreal. And, it, but what, how do you, as, as a different generation, as my father, how are you getting your news it's, about this? War? Well, it's not exactly what you just described. That's a very millennial way of getting the news. And it, it makes sense because you're a millennium millennial. So, uh, you know, I, I do check Twitter. I have my own, you know, I follow certain things on Twitter. I do look at those feeds. I look at the things you send me. I also listen to NPR on the radio. So go all the way back to radio technology. That's one of the ways, uh, podcasts, of course, and, uh, not too much network news. I mean, a little bit, you know, like I will watch meet the press, what Sunday, do you think is the future? Which of, I did of, today. Of Today's for, Sunday, for, and I, I, yeah. I watched Meet the Press, which is a very old school way, since it's the oldest television show in history. <laughs> it's a very old school way to get, but you know, you get interesting panelists and people discussing it. And, and I get to see what the mainstream 
news media's take on this all is, which I don't take, you know, as as gospel, but I do. So what's the future of this? How, how do you think you're going to get the news going forward in the future? Is it going to be more through digital or I mean, I, and yeah, I also want to get the, to the, your, the, the to digital, the digital, digital platforms like have become more and more part of how I receive the news. I don't like watching television news. I think it's kind of toxic. And, you know, yeah. just putting CNN in the background, it's like, well, then your entire life is this the repetitive CNN feed. They tend to repeat everything again and again and again. So also the advertisements on these mainstream networks, tie, right, you know, tied right after a live stream from Kiev, it, it seems almost insensitive. Oh, it's good. They all, all these, they, all, they each have their own scores, theme music. It's like it, they're being reported like it's a movie that they're presenting to the American public. Of course, there's, of course, international coverage. And I tend to like, you know, sometimes the BBC coverage better than traditional American coverage. Beyond the coverage, I, I, you, you mentioned something about a framework, an ethical framework. I really want to get yes. into that. Let's expand the discussion of the fact that this kind of international conflict is involving the metaverse through cyber war. And look at the fact that we are, in a sense, in an, a civil cyber war right now in this country that we both are living in right now and we both have been born in we're both americans and we have watched over the you know this past uh six or so years some very very rapid crazy changes happen to american democracy very linked and connected to these elements of the emerging metaverse social media digital platforms etc which have really skewed the nature of the discourse in american democracy and so in a way, I believe there's a metaverse civil war that's been going on and that many of the, the different sides in these, uh, these conflicts have, have you know, grabbed onto. Some sides use it better than others. And that's been part of really what's going on in this sort of, you know, some people call it the slow civil war that we're in right now. This nationalistic sort of era that's, that's been sweeping even, you know, many, many international uh, countries uh, in Europe and beyond and Asia. And, you know, there's a lot of nationalism going on everywhere on the planet, making the other the enemy. Refugee well, in a crises. world where you can be anonymous and yes. comment on anything from anyone in the metaverse, you don't have to reveal your identity. You can create a fake account Yes, and you can, you know, well, go, that's one go, of the things yeah. that has been shown is, you know, the sort of nascent human behavior uh, in the metaverse of being anonymous and being able to feel impunity to say anything. And these things can be often full of hatred, full of misinformation, full of bile, full of, uh, you know, double think and newspeak, as George Orwell said in 1984. I feel we're in that that era, but that era has very much been, you know, accelerated by the digital platforms, which to my mind are part of this emerging metaverse. So we are seeing how this human behavior gets affected before the, even the dimensionality that's going to be coming in the true expression of the metaverse as, you know, like Neil Stevenson meant it, you know, in Snow Crash or uh, how I meant it in, in Lawnmower Man. You know, there, there's, there's, that dimensionality and experience of three-dimensionality in the metaverse is going to only accelerate some of the things that have happened that have shifted the national discussion and created a kind of, you know, cyber civil war that's happening, you know? And I, I, that aspect of it, to me, shows that the danger of this and the danger of it connected to international global conflagration is extreme. And what this points out from a positive, though, is we can know that and we can create a framework, a framework that has as part of its organic, inherent nature, something that brings human communication and interaction closer to peaceful, harmonic communication and people being more in harmony in the way in which they interact. And the protocol of the metaverse itself, I believe, could be created in a way that that leans into that. Now, I'm not saying this is a di an easy thing to figure out. This involves what we've talked about, this idea of how, what are the rituals of the metaverse? What are the protocols? How do we create a, a, a safe framework for children? How do we create an ethical framework for communication so that hatred doesn't take over as it has on so many other social platforms? This moment of going into what can almost be a world war looked at as, as the beginning of a world war that's taking place very much partly in the metaverse 
is the moment we need to, especially those of us that are part of creating this and part of advocating it, need to look at that framework, need to look at something that actually creates better communication between humans that disagree as opposed to more fractious communication. And that has not been what's happened with digital platforms. So there needs to be an Aikido move. There needs to be a very strong pivot that happens, a chiropractic adjustment to how these digital platforms relate to human communication. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges that we need to be focused on. And of course, most people just, again, are headlong creating this new digital world, uh, this you know sort of digital twin of the planet, this, this place that we can go and interact, um, and are doing it without any real consideration of what we're talking about. I think we're, a lot of what the internet has done is elevated stories that needed to be told that haven't been told before and connecting people that are like-minded to, to, to spread awareness about those stories. And that's great and that's good, but it's also enabled the haters and the trolls and people who want to tear people down to also spread other types of ideas that yeah. are counterproductive and are hateful. for society are hateful. as a whole. You know, they're, they're hateful. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, we, we have to yeah. we have to get to where we can actually define between love and hate, lovable communication and hateful communication. And we've almost to a point where people go, well, no, that's not hateful. I mean, it's almost that double that idea of Orwellian doublethink is literally entered into, you know, the lexicon of our culture uh, in a very organic way. And that's scary. That's scary. And that's why I have. Uh, an opinion about what this change of, you know, human interaction into the metaverse really relates to. I last, you know, our last podcast, I said, you know, is this like the invention of the wheel or a fire or the Promethean moment? I said I would be answering that later. I believe, since we're talking about this right now in this way, I believe that it's more like the creation of language itself. That language yeah. and how language actually forms human thought and even organically the human mind is affected by language. I mean, there's, there's language, you know, it's funny, Buckminster Fuller once said language is a virus from outer space <laughs> as a sort of ironic joke, but in a way it is like a virus that does change us and affect us and shift in many ways the DNA of our consciousness. The metaverse is its own language. Immersive media is a language that's forming that is beyond just cuciform symbols that, you know, written and verbal language have come out of. This, this is a moment of shifting. And of course, there have been, there have been amazing prophets or scholars, uh, Marshall McClellan being one, in his book, The Media Extensions of Man, which he wrote in 1964. Um, you know, he talks about this in a very scholarly way, and many people didn't understand at the time. You know, he, he coined terms like the medium is the message. Well, he was talking about it's becoming its own language, and, and it, it, it's referencing us back to an experiential language that goes back to tribal ritual and things that are before the sort of Tower of Babel of written and spoken language. And so we need to be aware of the sort of profound foundational shift this can create in human communication and lean into where it can actually be used, modified or, or sculpted to be something that is inherently peaceable and positive and about harmony as opposed to about fractiousness and hatred and, and the... Who's going to moderate that? I think I, there, I, I know this. And, and every, me, I, do not, I do not have the answer. Every I, don't, company, I don't think it's going to be a moderator, except, of course, and these are all, you know, concepts that have been explored in science fiction before. Of course, AI, many people talk about, well, maybe AI needs to be the monitor, something outside of well, that the traditional human frame. And how can we get the AI to reflect the better angels of our nature, as Lincoln said? Well, right you now, know? right now we have humans doing the moderation because AI is yes. not good enough to do I the know. moderation yet. And every company, every company that has a digital product has hit this hit this question of moderation, whether it's YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, and every company has had to deal with it in different ways. And now, especially in the context of the metaverse in war, who is moderating these these posts, these dispatches? The, who's moderating this information? If you're in Russia, you might have limited access to Twitter. You might have limited access to Facebook. Oh, now you, you do That's, Be, and, exactly, and especially right. in China. I mean, it's completely yes. 
controlled. Completely controlled. Yeah. And, and, so, and this is a question that especially and in America, since we don't have the government moderation, that moderation falls on these companies who oftentimes hire independent companies and contractors. And yes. these contractor jobs have been described as extremely traumatic. Yes. Where they're they're having to to look and moderate these posts, some of which are are really really intense, and and there's been a lot of great reporting on that from the Verge and other news outlets. It is a question: How do we moderate this, and how do we create the framework you're discussing? Who's going to be in? A, you know, this does tie in. We have to mention Web three and yeah, well, I do, it does tie into. I was going to bring just bring that up. This goes yeah. back to the discussion of Web three and the technical infrastructure. And because if there is a blockchain foundation that has what are called trustless contracts, meaning you don't have to have the trust of human beings in the midst of the contracts, in the midst of smart contracts, that it, that there can be verifiability that is based in blockchain technology that is beyond the traditional forms of human verifiability. And that is something that relates to this idea of structure of DAOs, uh, decentralized autonomous yeah. orga uh, organizations, how they're governed, and and you know by by these smart contracts between individuals, between the people that create that organization, and there there these are new concepts of human organization and interaction that are coming out of this net you know this metaverse era that we're in. And it does come down to what is the technology that will enable it? What is the Web3 going to enable that allows this kind of thing we're talking about? Because for me, I'll just tell you what, you know, you asked the question, how do you begin to create this? I know it's about telling stories that posit that question, that stories are the thing that activates and, and inspires the, the dialogue, the dialectic around how do we create this thing that we can't see that's just beyond the horizon that is something new about human interaction? Think about how many things in technology have changed the way humans interact. The fact that we could you know, go from one side of the planet to another within a day changed everything in terms of human interaction. So that technology of travel completely shifted everything and in ways that are so much more fundamental than how we would think now in modern times, you know, and so even, you know, the, we talked a bit about the, the, the way in which the automobile was reacted to initially. These are the shifts we're in now. We're in these fundamental shifts, which again, go back to my thing, which is that I believe this is like the creation of language or a new language. And so we can decide what level of consciousness that language is is vibrating with, is 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 resonating with, but that is going to be a group discuss a, a group decision. It's not something that can be, you know, given from on high. Even from the structures of religion, religion was structured so that there was some kind of channel from on high to give us the ways in which we needed to live. This is a moment when the group mind of humanity can work with this new digital network neuronic infrastructure and somehow create a new way that the group mind can be evolved as opposed to devolved. And of course, we've seen the de-evolution of some of it based upon these digital platforms. And that's why it's more incumbent upon us than ever to focus on this question, especially now that we are fully integrating the metaverse in war. It's a, it's a very radical moment and time that we need to come up with, you know, some very clever things. And I, I believe that AI will be part of it. I, I, how, and I, I agree. I think AI, you know, I, I, I think of it as augmented intelligence, not artificial, because there's nothing artificial about it. It's coming from us. It's coming from technology that comes out of, you know, minerals from the ground. I mean, it's this, this idea that it's artificial. It wasn't dropped from outer space. Uh, from some other place that's artificial, you know, well, even I, outer yeah, space is I not agree. artificial, you know. So it's a very natural evolution of our intelligence coming outside into this sort of idea, the transhuman idea, of course, which is connecting with our machines. People talk about the singularity. There's a lot there to unpack. There's, you know, there's a lot of things to look at and how the metaverse is governed, is well, I organized. Mentioned, I mentioned that AI is not quite there yet to do all of the moderation, but I agree it's definitely going to move and, and move towards that. And AI is already becoming more and more intelligent. In fact, Meta slash Facebook just demoed some really interesting artificial intelligence 
advancements where they're they're actually building a voice assistant that can learn and anticipate human behavior. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, look, and, yeah, I'm tracking a lot of that. There's some amazing AI stuff going on that, that, you know, some of the work I'm doing is related and connected to some of the people that are doing that, even in the area of getting general, you know, AGI, you know, augmented general intelligence, which of course is the Holy Grail. Um, and then you're going to be able to have something that can truly come off of smart contracts that are generated procedurally off of the group mind uh, interaction, which can be, again, created in the structure of certain rituals that are focused on cr coming to a positive outcome. That's why we need rituals for this metaverse. And I'm not saying I know what they need to be. I know there have been ritual structures in the way in which tribal cultures have communicated with each other, both in times of war and in times of peace. They're, the Aboriginal people of Australia have had an amazing structure and they had you know, many, many thousands of years without warfare there, something that Jared Diamond writes about in his books, uh, very, very unique culture in how they ritualized staying in peace. And these are things we need to look to. We need to look to ancient wisdom that comes out of those cultures and see how they relate to this moment of creating a new digital world. I know that sounds like, you know, a, a contradiction, but it is kind of primitive future, the idea of primitive future, which has been a phrase that's been out there and bumper sticker that's been out there for a very long time. What it means is, you know, drawing the best from ancient ritual, ancient wisdom, uh, and applying it a wise and smart way to what the new sphere is, which is this metaverse, the way in which we interact with each other as a group mind, uh, and especially in the extreme reactions in the context of war. Because war, whether we like it or not, has been the most evolutionary activity that human beings have ever engaged in in the history of, of humankind. And that's something that's been written about by many, many, this is not a new thought in any way, shape or form, but that's just the case, including the advancement of technology. So it's it's not even to polarize ourselves against war, we to look at how can we pivot into it in a way that creates a positive outcome. There's a huge horror and atrocity that comes out of this. I'm not advocating war by any stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, I would love to live in a world without war, absolutely. But there has been a truth to the human history of war and how it has evolved us as cultures and as especially now a planetary culture. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're touching on the the ancient aspects of it. And yet what you're saying, I think, is really forward thinking at the same time. We're, I think we're, we're actually very far away while there is advancements in AI. It's going to take a lot of work to figure out how to actually codify that on on a blockchain or yeah, like these okay, kind of technologies yeah, like we're, i think we're, we're in the, over we're in the stone, as we're in as as mr spock years. said in the great episode of uh, star trek we're in the stone knives and bearskins uh moment still you know we're, still, we're just getting the tools defined let alone focused and sharpened the intention needs to be set now and that yeah. is something that's been expressed in everything from Sun Tzu's The Art of War to all kinds of Zen Buddhist texts to every religion. You know, we have to set that intention now because now, as we have, we, we have indicated, the metaverse is already with us in many ways. And yes, it's going to become more interoperable. It's going to become true interactive dimensionalized worlds that we experience through av avatars that represent us, all these things that are not in place yet. But those are the things that are coming out of the foundational aspects that are in place and are already involved in and interacting with this concept of war that we are now seeing played out on the global stage through this Russia-Ukrainian conflict. Because Russia is a superpower. It is a superpower engaged in a conflict that is very, very focused on. Of course, there are, there, there are critics of America that will say, well, America has done the same thing many, many times, mostly in covert uh, operations, sometimes in overt operations. And they're, they'd be right. There's, you know, it's not like America as a superpower is essentially clean, but it's probably cleaner than what Vladimir Putin has in his mind. <laughs> I, I yes, hope this that, is, this is know. a terrible, yeah, it's a terrible war. It's a terrible yes. war. And, and, uh, you know, I, how do we, how do we work with the artificial intelligence? Because it's, our, you know, another announcement that Meta slash Facebook announced is that they're also creating world models that can do long-term planning and reasoning 
And they're integrating this into their technology in such a way where you can speak to the assistant and it'll build the world for you. So yeah, yeah. There, was a, there was a demo with Mark Zuckerberg just last week. This is brand new where he, he, he was demoing, talking to the assistant and then building an island. He's like, build an island, add a beach, add some music. And, the, and it was procedurally using artificial yes. intelligence, building that. Uh, and so, you know, that's what we have now. But it's still oh, very, yeah. very early days. Yeah, but and, but it's you yeah. know what though, and in my study of some of what's going on in AI though, it's happening even more rapidly than I thought it would because the procedural generation of imagery, of of sensibility, of even uh, writing and music with AI as a collaborator with humans is that edge is happening very quickly right now. Uh, and it's the stuff that is being produced is blowing my mind. I've seen some AI generated art that just oh, really? is astonishing. Yeah, uh, it's it's astonishing. And it's coming out of some very specific, you know, researchers that are doing the cutting edge work in that area. Uh, but it is advancing very rapidly. So this idea of AI being in collaboration with humans is one of those central tenets of the metaverse. I believe that will be part of it. The blockchain, I believe as a concept, is a central tenet. So we're starting to see some central tenets about how humans will interact with this virtual world, and it will be through the, the mediation of AI. It will be through the mediation of blockchain smart contracts. These are things that you know many, many trends are moving towards, and these are things that I think can have an inherently positive lean to them if we set the intention right. Mostly of what I've seen, of course, there's all kinds of subversive, stealthy things going on out there that I'm not seeing. So who knows all the things that are being done with AI and with blockchain, <laughs> especially at, you know, covert government levels around the world. But, you know, there's, you know, and that's kind of what the laundromat was about as a story. I, I think there is a positive story that's happening where the collaboration doesn't have to be the scary thing that turns into Skynet, that destroy that the, the machines, you know, against humans. I believe that we need to change that story. We need to pivot that story into a meta narrative where humans and machine work together to create better human interaction, better peace and harmony on the planet, and especially better human interaction within the context of the metaverse, which will be its organic, natural place for this to happen. And, uh, you know, everything's going to be tied in. They call it the Internet of Everything, right? It, of all things, th th that everything's going to be tied into this this metaverse thing. So you've we sent need me, to, yeah, you, you've, you've sent me some links to some, some metaverse experts who have been talking yes. about how the future of the metaverse is interoperable, it's interconnected, it's yes. 3D space. And yes. I, I think it's, I think we have to almost define two different phases of the metaverse. There's yes. metaverse 1.0, which yep. is the internet that we have now. And then there's metaverse 2.0, which yep. is the physical space that you can go into where you have an avatar. It's the three-dimensional yeah. world aspect the dimension, of it. Yeah, the dimensionalized it's, version of the, yeah. of the web, which is what web three technology is meant to be you know, creating. Uh, that's where a lot of the money is going right now into web three infrastructure so that we can actually have uh, this three-dimensional, you know, and which just means decentralized experience. Yeah. yeah, which just means decentralized technology. If, if you didn't yeah. listen to our previous podcast on that, yes. it's, you know, decentralized technology. It's all in its early stages, but I, I think there's there's a lot of confusion on whether, you know, oh, is it is it Metaverse 2.0? Is that the real Metaverse? Is Metaverse 1.0 the real? It's, I think we're already, it's all the Metaverse. <laughs> it's it, like we <laughs> you know, talked about all, with AR and VR. It's a continuum. The thing is, is that it's a continuum yeah. th th that we are already being affected by the digital world in a, in very, very, very profound ways. And anyone that doesn't know that, you know, especially in most places on the planet, is is burying their heads in the sand. It's like to say that, oh, it's not happening when everything has changed around the nature of uh, democratic conversation and discourse. All these things have been affected by this quote unquote digital world. It may not be fully dimensionalized yet, but that doesn't mean it's not a metaverse. It's, you know, I think if we're going to be yeah. using this term metaverse, we need to be aware that we're already in it in many ways. And of course, the experts, some of the links I've sent you are making very good points, very good technical points and yes. very good points about, you know, let's create it to be something that's empowering for people to create. All of those things are I'm very much in line with. But I sometimes agree. it's it's missing that this is already happening in a very profound level. And this Ukraine 
Russia war that's going on is a great example of how that how we've been affected already by metaverse interaction in the context of war. To me, those things are organically true about the present moment, not just about metaverse 2.0 that when it's dimensionalized and when that's coming. So that's one of the main, I think, foundations of our conversation here, folks. It's going to be that we're already being affected by this metaverse. And let's we're going to be pointing that out probably in a number of different ways uh, with a number of different topics throughout the course of this podcast. And Metaverse 2.0 is already here as well. I mean, the the physical yep. dimensionality of it. I mean, millions of kids and adults are already spending their days, parts parts of their days, in a virtual three dimensional world. Whether they're yes. doing workouts or whether they're hanging out in massively multiplayer online games that exist in virtual reality. We've covered these topics. This is happening now, and you know, I actually there's there's an interesting piece of news that I'd like you to react to that um, this is actually reported by the Inside XR newsletter citing extreme tech as a source. And extreme tech, I don't think is, you know, I think this is a rumor. So this is, you got to take this with a grain of salt. This is a big rumor. Of course. But Apple's rumored AR VR headsets, according to this source, are now expected to launch later this year. And the- Unnamed headsets have apparently reached engineering validation testing phase two, meaning that the product is midway to final production. And this is despite the rumors of a possible delay of the launch of the headsets. Apparently, the hardware and software components are being developed in parallel, and they're entering the testing phase, and and might you know, which means production might start August September. So this could be launched in, even as early as October 2022. Which means that you know Apple jumping into this, and and this really ties into our questions of moderation. Yeah, uh, you know, how is Apple going to? And we've you know, but it's especially in the context where kids are are using this. And I mean, this shows that if maybe if they're fast tracking this, maybe Apple is seeing that there is a lot of a lot of buzz about it. You know what Meta slash Facebook is doing with Quest Two and the success they've had. It looks like Apple is now fast tracking this. Wow. Well. Look, I, uh, I'm taking it with a grain of salt because I've heard so many times that these damn yes. Apple AR VR headset is coming out. Um, so I'm a little bit, I have a, a PTSD response to that, first off. But secondly, <laughs> yeah, it's a rumor. It's a big Secondly, rumor. I think it's possibly true. And I think the timing is, it seems to be right. And I think it will be an absolute game changer that we've always, those of us who have been in virtual content development, all these, you know, elements of the metaverse that kind of things both you and I have been involved with for a number of years, and I have been really my whole career, you know, it will be a total game changer because it will mean there's going to be more ubiquity to the experience of of virtual experience. And that's at the core of what the metaverse is about, the virtual experience between humans, between humans and machine, between humans and three-dimensionalized worlds, between humans and an overlay of a three-dimensionalized world that is on the real world, augmented reality, as we talked about last time. So, you know, this, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, as this overarching thing that, that the time we're in right now is most like the creation of language itself, which is, of course, since language has already been created, it's a new language. It's another, as Buckminster Fuller might say, another virus from outer space that's come to infect us with this entirely new way of interacting with each other as humans. And and here's the great sort of possibility of that. When a new language form appears, there's great possibility of elasticity, of morphing it and shifting it and sculpting it to be something that is more inherently evolved in terms of our communication as humans, in terms of how we relate to each other, and now how we relate to each other in this metaverse, three-dimensionalized digital world we're talking about that can actually be evolutionary, that can be something that pushes us forward instead of back. And describing it as a language is is a great I think that's great. I, I and and it's 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 how are how is each company I'm so fascinated it's like how is each company going to going to use that language? You know, again yes. Tim Cook Tim Cook won't even use the word metaverse in his calls. I know. How is Apple gonna do it? What we're gonna have to see and it's the wild west. The I mean we might we might we might be doing a podcast called What the F is the you know, the Apple sphere, you know? <laughs> because, yeah, right. Because the ch- the terms shift and change again, you know, 
coming out of the work of William Gibson, the great science fiction author who was very much an inspiration to me, the, the term cyberspace. And he, you know, he was the progenitor of the cyberpunk genre of science fiction. That really was this idea of the metaverse. So all of these different terms, virtual reality itself, how I talked about it, the lawnmower man, VR, and then, you know, I've been calling it all virtual experience, VX, now for a while, because I believe all of these things are about the virtual experience of having an experience in a simulated digital reality where you can be embodied, others can be embodied, and environments can be embodied in a completely unique and imaginative way. So, you know, these when terms are all somewhat interchangeable. Yeah. But uh, yes, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the sort of lexicon of this new language is formed as these different sort of nation states, these corporate giants are, are vying for supremacy within it. And uh, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the aspects of kind of the warfare that's going on in the metaverse. There is essentially a war between Meta or Facebook and Apple. And it's for the high ground in this new thing we call the metaverse. For and that's so, yeah. you know, there's, you know, of course, warfare is inherent to much of human and the behavior. economy. Yeah, and the economy. And of course, economies have been more structured and affected by warfare than any other element of human interaction in history. So when you made when you made the lawnmower man, and actually the lawnmower man has the film 1992 film has a lot of elements of of war in terms of like yes. military, military aspects to it. D did you see when you made that film and released that 1992? Did you predict, did you, could you have imagined and did you imagine what would have happened today now that we're in 2022? Did you imagine the world that we're living in now or, or did you imagine it was going to turn out differently? Because I know you, you said it's a cautionary tale. The lawnmower is a cautionary tale, but did you think it was going to actually happen in the way that it has? Pretty much, actually. Now, that's not just really because of what I was thinking, but because of all the crazy thousands of science fiction books I read as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Put all these ideas in my mind. Many, 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 many creators, authors, writers have, have expressed ideas around this. So we all stand on the shoulders of giants. But yes, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking that, of course, the funding for this, which is one of the themes of Lawnmower is going to be coming from the military cyber industrial complex. And, uh, and that's what Dr. Angelo Pierce Brosnan's, you know, work is being funded by the military, which he's very in conflict about. So all these themes were very much something I thought it was going to happen faster. That's, you know, really? my, uh, you know, at the beginning that says by the turn of the millennium, this new, you know, we were a little off by about 25 years, but, uh, you know, that, by the <laughs> way, close. this is the 30th anniversary of the lower man this year. 2022, uh, March 6th uh, is when it was released. So March 6th, 2022 is the 30th anniversary. The wow. theatrical release, The Lawnmower Man, and we're doing, uh, there's quite a bit of articles and things coming out and probably some events happening at different conferences um, because uh, weirdly enough, that movie is still relevant. And I'm, I'm very proud of that and also thrilled that people even think of it at all. I mean, 30-year-old movies, uh, that's not usual. And I think it relates to some of these questions we're talking about. So again, as a storyteller, I'm still on the same tip. <laughs> I'm still looking at this as a storyteller of how can we how can we push this towards a positive evolutionary focus as opposed to the cautionary tale elements that, of course, many of those have be been becoming true. So, well, I have to I have to lay something on you. I have to. It's lay important time. On you. So, yeah, Palmer Lucky, Palmer Lucky, who you've said was. And and he's publicly said was inspired by your film yep. to create Oculus, which was sold to Facebook. Now, when when he left Oculus, yes. what he's done now is he's actually created a military company now. I know, I and know. it's called it's called Andrel, and Andrel creates drones. They create a really advanced warfare technology. Yes, and he was inspired by your film. So did your film. End up creating <laughs> this all goes to, yeah this all goes to the my one of the points i've mentioned this many times in different uh keynotes and whatever beware of telling cautionary tales because yeah. you actually can basically create an enthusiasm around the very thing you're cautioning against and i'm not saying that you know that film only did that obviously every story has different reactions from different people but uh you know, most people look at the Lawman as this sort of boosterism for virtual reality, when in actuality it was 
very much strongly a cautionary tale. It was very much saying, "Hey, let's let's be aware of what the what the stakes are with this thing." And you know that that was that's by the way my first my first law of VR is be aware that the stakes are high with this medium. That was my first law that I came up with, you know, in 2015. And I believe that we're in that moment more than ever right now, especially now that it's called the metaverse and it's become this sort of global clickbait word that means something different to almost everybody. And yet it's focused money, it's focused intention, it's focused activity uh, on the creation of this very thing to an even greater degree. So uh, now that we are in the midst of warfare, uh, you know, one of the things uh, Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address, which is one of the most amazing speeches ever, very short and brief, but he said about, he, he talked about the new birth of freedom, the rebirth of freedom, meaning that even at that time, the idea of freedom that was expressed in the uh, Declaration of Independence that, you know, began our country needed a rebirth, needed to be newly birthed with this idea of equality amongst everyone and, and the eradication of slavery. Now we're at a moment where we need the rebirth of a new kind of human interaction that is not just about nation states and cultures, but it's about something possibly in an evolutionary sense beyond that. And I think that's one of the promises, one of the one of the possible positive outcomes of the metaverse, that we can actually create it to be an evolutionary force. Uh, and I hope so. so I'm, I'm looking so. at, and, and, you know, at this moment of war, obviously that's possibly a bit of a, a naive concept, but I'm a cockeyed optimist, uh, you know, as they said in the South Pacific, the great musical. I, I know I have a musical theater background. Excuse me, folks. <laughs> so many references. <laughs> You've got so many good references. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, I just think that in this moment of war, we actually have to take a moment to just be incredibly compassionate and solemn about the attrition that's going on, the horrifying atrocity of it all. And yet let's use whatever comes out of this as an evolutionary impetus in this context, since this is the focus of this podcast of the metaverse. My sign off, which of course is, I love you, son. I love you, dad. Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our podcast there. And we're going to be recording every week. Special thanks to Greg Leonard, who produced the original theme music for What the F is the Metaverse.